Yes, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. If you're a loyal listener, brilliant, great to have your ears, your time, your focus, your energy just listening to my rambles. And if you're a new listener, fantastic. If you like the show, please share it with someone. Um, I hope you get some good value out of the conversation today. And this is episode 163 of the pod. So I've been recording for roughly three years. Look back after this one, see if you find uh, something great, something that you enjoy. Um, that you might resonate with in terms of the titles and just get stuck in, dive in. So the pod it generally focuses on nutrition, movement and outdoor experiences and 33 Fuel have been supporting me since uh, pretty much the start of the pod to be fair. They produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products and you can get 10% off your first order with Matt10 at checkout. So subscribe and uh, like the show leave me a comment all that good stuff would be brilliant it basically just helps more people find the show and without any further ado let's get into today's conversation with a performance nutritionist called james fleming i've been looking forward to get getting whoever I can't even talk i've been looking forward to having a really good uh, long-form conversation with james uh, we kind of banded around on instagram a little bit together um, and then we've come together recently on a course um, delivered by a company called Supporting Champions. And we chatted and he's given me some time for us to have a good conversation today, hopefully. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, let's go. James, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to uh, having a chat today. I know we were riffing a lot off uh, off air and um, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, we should probably start recording now, mate. But we've got so many things in common, obviously. Um, performance nutrition background you're probably you're probably in you know in the trenches and that a little bit more than me but we also work a little bit in private healthcare in uh, working with pre-diabetic patients and diabetic patients and things so I think before we kind of get into that um, yeah it'd be good to know mate like how how you are and where you are at the moment I know things are opening up I haven't done a pod for a few weeks so country's starting to slowly get back to normal but yeah how are you at the moment how have things been over I suppose yeah like past year or so with, with, with yourself personally yeah it's been uh, well I don't think anyone expected that sort of past sort of year or so to go sort of how it has actually gone but it's been interesting from a I suppose it's from a, a work point of view I think everyone was still sort of quite focused the first week the first few weeks few months into lockdown and then when various athletes realized that sort of some of the some of the clubs I'm at where their season sort of went out the window, things did start to get a little bit a little bit quiet. Um, it, it's certainly been different. I think it's just important to sort of I have my sort of and again I think a lot of us have those sort of non-negotiables where for me it's about sort of trying to stay as active as as I was able to with sort of the gyms and leisure centres closed, eating a sort of good balanced diet, sort of. Um, yeah, just sort of keeping going, basically, just sort of keeping, um, keeping myself engaged and just trying to be as productive as um, as possible. I was really fortunate that I haven't, I wasn't having to go on sort of furlough or anything like that. So I've been able to sort of keep going, but it's sort of at the same time you sort of go, yeah, I could do with a do with a holiday now as um, as things start to reopen. Yeah, I know. God, yeah, we're all yeah we're all hoping to get that in a little while, aren't we? And I think it's um, yeah, we're also chatting as well off air. I think you and I are doing the same thing too. Well, I I had more time on my hands, so I just started reaching out mostly on Instagram. I know that's how we kind of chatted a bit as well. Um, I know we met through the supporting champion stuff too and, and talked a bit more. Um, but yeah, just kind of like 
chucking out some olive branches to other practitioners and people that I've, you know, you follow, you look at their posts and stuff and, you, and, you know, you're just getting a feel for what other people are doing. But I was just messaging them. You know, people I've had on the pod before, like Danny, um, Ollie, um, we were talking about, haven't had James on yet, um, um, but, you know, we were talking a bit about him um, and a few others. So I think it's, um, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite interesting time if some of these practitioners like, um, like yourself have got a little bit more time in your hands and you can just start poking other people and being like how are you getting on what are you doing um, and it's all it's all collaboration isn't it because I think when I first started it was you just see these people as competition whereas now you see it as actually how are you getting on mate and what's working well and like well done like your work's looking great and it's all just spreading good good vibes really and trying to keep people going isn't it yeah you know that was my exact sort of view on it as well but then actually when you started to say like at the start of lockdown I was getting quite a good habit of just contacting as many practitioners as possible and there was, I had sort of a good list and uh, a good list that I was sort of trying to work through and I couldn't sort of get through all of them but actually when you drop a message mm. and you're a bit on mm, probably won't get a reply I had some amazing replies and some really helpful advice that I've then you then try and take that on board and it's sort of how some of the the sort of the best practitioners do it and it's again little things that i've then tried to incorporate what i do uh, into what i do and um again some of it was a little bit hard to to bring into obviously we've sort of things started to slow down with covid but hopefully like i say as things start to reopen you you've then got that opportunity to try and maximize your your efficiency your effectiveness as a practitioner within a team with a with an athlete even fellow support staff um, as well. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah, I do miss seeing people in person. Like before the pandemic, I was, I was working in a bit more of like a multidisciplinary team with one of my roles and seeing, you know, physios, physiologists, GPs. Um, and I was always the guy that, probably, they probably found it annoying, but every time we were between uh, clients and things, I just knocked my head in the door, see how people were, you know, how that how their workflow's going. Um, we didn't really share too many clients because there's quite high volume in that, in that place, but... It's just always, I like being around people. Obviously, I focus on who I've got in front of me and things like that. But I just I just like to be around other practitioners. And you just you just learn bits and bobs. And that's why I know we've met through that uh, kind of, or got, got to know each other a bit more through that Supported Champions course. But it's just interesting to be around, um, even even if it's not actually in person, but just, you know, digitally, to, to be around some of these other practitioners that are doing different things, that are exploring things. I know, I don't know if you saw that post recently on the forum, around that that psychological model like uh, I think it was that cone bean model or something and uh, yeah it was just interesting people coming from things from different angles and um, yeah taking the time to learn a lot more when actually you know you think I'm sitting on my hands here you know I'm not I'm not moving forward I'm not getting more clients not making more money but actually you know you're, you're broadening your your little address book of people you're, you're learning more you know, more skills so I think uh, it's, it's been an interesting time isn't it yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose sort of we we've obviously been to uni. You obviously go off to you get that education side of things, but you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily taught how to apply it. So that's where it's quite helpful to then. I think that's where I've gained a lot of knowledge, I suppose, um, from talking to sort of other practitioners, like say doing our um, supporting champions, um, doing the support, uh, doing the supporting champions course. Has been so helpful because obviously exactly like I say we have lots of discussion groups we have our sort of q a sessions but then you've also got a whole network of people that you can start to contact and start to speak to 
and you can just get their sort of advice, their opinions, and yeah, and I think we're all trying, we're all in a similar position, we're trying to support one, again, there is that element of, yes, we're competing with one another, but actually, we're all in the same role, we're all trying to sort of help support one another where possible. Definitely, yeah. And mate, if we, you know, if we kind of dive into yourself a little bit in your work, did you, you know, did you get into performance nutrition because at your core you like to help people see them thrive athletically? Um, you know, you do like to do you like to really educate someone to actually help them to to eat well, not only for sport but but for their own health. Or are you really, you know, you do like to get into the nitty gritty and you think actually performance nutrition can can add that tiny little bit to help someone like win so is it is it from a competitive side is it from a, a like your core to help people um like where does it all kind of come from for you to kind of get up and do your job every day yeah i suppose i suppose i must admit sort of going off to university i was always uh, i suppose at school that's where i really got into sport and it's in sixth form that i got into the more sports science side of things and it's only when you go off to uni, and again, it was always, uh, you know, when you have this sort of end of school awards where it's like most likely to become a PE teacher. And I'm like, <laughs> one. Yeah, and I spoke to a few of my teachers, and they said, do your sports science degree, so you've got that sort of foundation, then go off and do your sort of teaching qualifications. But it's when at university it opens your eyes to all these different aspects of sports science so I always had the, um, the area that I always really enjoyed was that sort of physiology and nutrition mm. and it was only in sort of second year that when you start to plan your we didn't do huge amounts of nutrition but it was only uh, one of my lecturers recommended sort of beetroot juice and doing it for using beetroot juice and looking at the effect of it for um, performance that I then started to really develop that interest in nutrition and actually when you speak to athletes you speak to coaches for example they focus a lot on obviously the coaching which is really important they focus from a i suppose a sports science point of view that's where they've tended to focus more on the training but actually i've always found that nutrition is it's not the be all and end all but it's just one piece of a puzzle if you like and if you can get that sort of connection with the other parts it can just it can just give that athlete that extra few percent it can just the difference maybe between winning and losing uh, winning and losing the race winning and losing the competition um again some of the some of the teams i've worked with or when we've had chats they so one rugby team for example they they played it they got promoted in that season they lost i can't remember how many games it was but right in the last 10 minutes that's when they started to concede a few a few tries and um, when you actually spoke to them about their preparation, their nutrition at sort of half time. Some of them would have nothing. Some of them might have a few sips of water. Some of them wouldn't even bother with breakfast beforehand. And you sort of go, well, with a little bit more sort of structure in place, let's see what we can see what we can do to um, develop that. So I think it's like you say, it's sort of it's that's if you can look for that sort of one percent, even that one percent improvement, that one percent increase, it's going to go. A long way it can be massive for an athlete and there's so many different aspects of an athlete's performance that or an athlete's ability to perform that it can impact so obviously if we can get the recovery right they're going to be able to perform better in their subsequent training sessions competitions it can also be used to sort of in terms of the travel aspect so again as things start to reopen athletes can start to travel more and that's again where we can sort of plan some nutrition strategies around that 
obviously with the body composition again there's so there's so many sort of aspects it can impact and yeah i think for me in my experience it's an area that can definitely make quite a quite a difference mm. and are you married to a couple of sports or are you someone that um you know you'll take opportunities if there's good people there if if people are interested in bringing someone like yourself in with it with your expertise you know we we flirt with a few different sports like what's the what's the kind of uh, crack there um i like it. i like the challenge i like the i like the variation um so i suppose my main interest is sort of team sports so sort of rugby football um i work with um, a few rowing clubs as well so that's always quite interesting but then on the sort of other side of that then i've got a few sort of runners that i work with or currently working with at the moment but then uh, i've got a few sort of golfers as well that i do some work with as well so it's sort of they all have different different sort of requirements different sort of training demands competition demands that it then it's then quite that's what i like about nutrition is then that challenge of how do you optimize their fueling how do you optimize their recovery around their sort of training around their competition so i do like the challenge i do like uh there's certain sports that or certain activities that don't have as much experience in things like some of the weight category sports but then there's so many other practitioners that are much better um qualified they've got a lot more experience in that sort of area compared to myself but yeah my interest is sort of i'd say more of the sort of team sports that are sort of running things like that Mm. And then that's, you know, especially now, some of these like big race events and things are opening up as exciting times for people. And generally, you know, most people listening to this who start to discover running and then they get to that level where they can, you know, they can hold maybe a conversation and run and they start to enjoy it a bit more. And, it, you know, legs don't feel as heavy and they're not exhausted. They think this is quite good. You know, you get the 5, 10K, half marathon, you know, you meet people that just run those dry and then the people that get up to the marathon, that's when they do, you know, I'm not saying everyone needs a nutritionist, but most people at that level will then start to scratch around online or ask friends or ask people at the gym or do something. Um, and we were talking before the call, weren't we, how rewarding it is when you help someone, especially a runner. Um, because, you know, most people are going to be, what, four hours plus for a marathon, and you know, unless they're actually tanking it. And we, we know the body needs fuel, really, or requires it, especially to help with reducing perceived exertion fatigue morale you know uh, health uh, especially when it's hot like this you know everyone's sweating it's important so um yeah have you got some kind of exciting things coming up with a few people like you were saying that someone's coming into their first experience with a marathon soon you know that when you strip that back and you build that relationship with someone it's it's brilliant isn't it because that person might not be wanting to win but, and that's not you know a huge part of probably your your workload, but it could be quite a special relationship there, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And obviously the, these athletes, they, they are obviously to get that fine, they've got to be able to, to trust you and trust what you're sort of doing with them. So I think the biggest, well, I suppose it is a mistake, the biggest thing I find with a lot of athletes where maybe they've done some previous competitions is they've never practiced their nutrition strategy. They just maybe mm. eat what's on the go or available so some individuals I've spoken to uh, at sort of various events exhibitions they've they've sort of trained they may have trained one way so having they might have bought some, some gels some science and sport gels for example and then when they've gone to do their competition depending on who it's sponsored by if it's one that provides stuff along the way 
it might be completely different. So be as an example, it might be um, sponsored by High Five. So again, High Five are providing the gels and sweets, but they might they're a completely different structure, different makeup to some of those other things. So all of a sudden, it then starts to increase the risk of the sort of stomach upset, the stomach issues, and again, it comes back to that point of being the difference between an athlete winning, winning or failing, or even completing. Um, their event as well so it's just getting them to understand I suppose my my philosophy has always been when you on when you get an un, when an sorry when an athlete understands why they're doing something what they do has so much more of a greater and long-lasting impact or well, hopefully that's um, that's what's happening but um, yeah and just going from there basically no I understand what you're saying I had a good conversation with a chap yesterday and there was a bit of a light bulb moment we uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't organising resistance training for him, but around around some of his activity, and he was running three times a week, and we discussed the importance of resistance training and then timing his his nutrition afterwards. And it just that light bulb moment of being like, oh, that really makes sense. And then he, the buy in, he was just like, right now I know a bit more about the kind of the kind of how, um, and he had quite a strong why. You could tell that um, he was really going to get after it. And sometimes it's just those quick, and that was a, we spoke for 45 minutes, and I'd say that was a two or three minute segment, and you could see that that really hit home. Um, mm. Whereas the rest of it, obviously, he's had to understand him, flow of his day, health history, all that kind of stuff. And then we started slowly getting near to the end, and that last little nugget, I was like, right, we're going to drop this now, see what he says, and yeah, just it just worked really well. And I think once that light bulb moment comes on and it's a simple recommendation um, and then they go away and start doing it, then that's where the kind of real fun begins as a practitioner because it's more about like the follow-up. Um, and that's what I like. It's like, how to get on? Um, what worked well? What didn't work well? And then, you know, where do we go from here? And is it is it going to fit in your, in your lifestyle? And, um, you know, people do so much training, um, but then they don't, like you said, they don't practice the nutrition as much. They're always out exercising, doing their thing, you know, ment- mental preparation, but they might not be eating and, and practicing eating things over and over and over to get their bodies used to it. So I think that that's such a good recommendation. It's often overlooked, isn't it? Sometimes I think, it, like, exactly like I say, sometimes it's almost, again, sometimes it's the small things, the sort of small changes that they can sustain over a defined period of time. It's all that's where you get the biggest impact. So like you say, it doesn't have you don't have to sort of overload the athlete because obviously they're not they can't they're not gonna sort of take it all on one go. But again, just sort of start it I suppose it's almost starting with the sort of foundations if you like, getting mm. those good foundations in place and then building up to the sort of next level. That's where they can they have a bit more structure to to their training, to their nutrition around that training that starts to really but that's where they start to see the benefit. They then start to, again, you sort of get that a little bit more buying, a little bit more trust from the athlete. Um, and that's where you can have that sort of really effective relationship and hopefully really good sort of long-term success as well in whatever their competition is that they're trying to compete in. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's that solid relationship you can build with individuals. And I think if there are any young practitioners listening, not, not even in age, but people listening, if they're getting into nutrition, they're starting to work with people and, you know, say they are qualified now in, in various, you know, whatever disciplines, if it's sports nutrition or, um, you know, uh, kind of like uh, di- dietitian-wise or nutritional therapist-wise, and then they are doing some of these group sessions or they're working with groups like you were saying there, the rugby teams and things, 
you know, people might think, God, you know, there's all that complexity for one person, but I've got a squad of X now. You know, how am I going to start to translate some of these messages through? But like you said, it's it's the buy-in, it's finding the culture of the place. If you're going in, who's setting it up, who are you speaking to, to then get ready to get in front of these players and then what touch points are you going to give and then, you know, what are you going to leave um, with them? So I don't know, I suppose with like the rugby teams and things you've worked with, how, how have you found that? Obviously trying to give out information on mass and you're probably not in all the time because a lot of these places don't have budgets where it'd be brilliant if you're in two, three times a week. I know we're speaking about someone like Ted who's probably in it with Harlequins every day. So you think when you're dripping in and out, you know, how, how do you kind of get your head around that to, to work with the team and you have very few touch points? Uh, that must be quite a hard thing to do. Yeah, like, sorry, I mean, some some teams I've been at where they have sort of, well, well particularly if you then start to include academy and youth, uh, the youth sides and things like that, you've got well over 100 individuals that you're trying to sort of help as part of that, as well as the sort of, total amount you've also got the sort of type of people and some they're really interested in the sort of science they want to know sort of how it works why why that's important some just want to know just tell me what to eat tell me what to have sort of when and how much and i'll do it so i think a big win for me or a really simple thing is just around that education so what i what i've got either um so some teams will have their own sort of online platform where they've given me access that I can just post a sort of and almost create like an infographic hub that could be on really simple messages such as here are some sources of protein. Some athletes, they're not really sure, they can't really give you any good examples of a good source of protein. Some, and so, uh, so it could be around, it could be lots of different topics like that. For those that are interested in a little bit more, then I've got some some blogs some some guides I've written around things like supplements for example so again I think there's um I'm sure you might have seen it Asky Yukon Drop has this sort of pyramid where it's sort of your, your sort of foundation just sports nutrition and supplements at the top most people will start the supplements and work their way down rather mm. than sort of getting that foundation um in place and that's always been my sort of approach um I think there's quite a lot of athletes, particularly sort of amateur athletes, don't realise the, the risk of supplements as well with sort of things like anti-doping. Most of them don't know what things like informed sport are. They just look at the products and go, my mate uses that, the guy in the gym uses that, I'm going to use that as well. So that, uh, I think, again, for me, that's quite a, quite an important aspect to, to consider as well and just getting them to, again, just getting them to understand sort of why they're doing it but also how they can start to incorporate it into their sort of day-to-day routine so it's just giving them really simple really simple tips so if they're if they're at the gym for example and they're going off to work rather than i mean obviously sometimes supplements will will help or can be quite beneficial in certain situations but you can then give them ideas for snacks to take snacks to keep in their gym bag that they can have once they finish the session on the way out, while they're driving to work, while they're on the train, things like that. If individual, and then you've got sort of some, if, if individuals then want a little bit more, they want to chat a bit more, a bit more advice, then again, I can sort of, when I'm at the club, I can then be around and just say, look, sort of, I try and keep a sort of um, schedule where you can have sort of 10, 15 minutes with a couple of players and try, I try and get through as many sort of that way as possible as well. Mm. Um, but for me, some something like that is actually 
just uh, educating them a little bit more is, has been actually quite a, probably the biggest win I've had. Um, players will ask for players will ask for sort of meal plans, diet plans, but it, it's very time consuming. For uh, as I'm sure you may agree, it's sort of very one. It's very time consuming, and two, how likely are they actually to use it? Maybe for the first few days, and then something will come up, and that diet plan goes out the window, or they they don't fancy that particular meal. So it's just rather than sort of going, this is what to have every day. I mean, some athletes, yes, it will. It is important, but instead of that, I try and give them some ideas. So how to sort of structure their meals, lots of sort of different variety, and then I try to put together some really simple recipes that they can have a go at doing as well if they're short of time. Maybe they're not sort of very confident cooking as well. I know it's sort of one thing I found quite quite helpful actually in lockdown was instead of doing sort of where you have the sort of MasterChef cooking competitions is actually we decided to create a sort of lockdown cookbook. So um, rather than athletes sort of competing because then you get the athletes that aren't interested. So instead, I just said, look, send me your recipes that they're your go-to and that could be a sort of Pre, pre-training meal, pre-competition meal, or post-training meal, or just sort of something in general. And then, again, we were then able to sort of put it all together and send it out. So all the athletes had, it was just a good way to sort of get a little bit of sort of team bonding, keeping them active while we weren't able to train properly. I love that. Yeah, that team cookbook's really cool because like you said, people will have, you know, food preferences, meals that mean a lot to them as they're growing up and things like that. And then also they might have, obviously brush shoulders with someone like yourself and found a you know interesting recipe that's a brilliant performance plate of food too um yeah i didn't think about that i think that's that's a really good team building exercise and then also ultimately if you're running through it and you and you look at it as well then the people that have submitted their recipes they've already got the buy-in so you could be like right you know let's break this down and look at what's on the plate here and um you know why have you used this was it for flavor purposes or was it to you know, enhance a certain part of the plate to help you with whatever fueling recovery, and then and then the guys will probably, you know, they'll quite like to talk about that because obviously they're already in it because they've submitted a recipe. That's brilliant. Um, and I'll put the for people that don't know about things like Inform Sport, I'll just put the website and things in the link in the bio. Um, I don't know if we've ever kind of gone into that too much, but it's just, uh, I suppose in essence, James, you cover it off too, but it's just a way of uh, testing, isn't it? Testing supplements to make sure on mass. Um, that uh, yeah, there's no there's no funny stuff in there because um, it can get quite complicated, isn't there? There's there's so many banned um, uh, ingredients and and you know things that obviously people shouldn't be taking due to like uh, performance enhancing purposes and stuff like that. And I suppose that's just the kind of main main company over here. Is it U- is it UK based? Is it only UK based? I don't know. I haven't really thought about anything outside of um, UK. I think various countries will have sort of different, their own sort of versions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've not really looked into it in sort of other countries. That's a very good um, bit of homework for me to do this afternoon. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, like I say, it's just a sort of quality assurance, just check that it hasn't got any banned substance. I mean, it, it does happen. I think sort of sometimes athletes maybe sort of the amateur they maybe think of it as oh testing I'm only going to get tested if I was like an elite level athlete but it can happen to it can happen to anyone and quite often on the sort of UK anti-doping website they put all the case studies up of where oh, sorry not case studies but the reports from mm. sort of um, doping hearings and sometimes I mean there was one actually from a rugby player that was 
uh, I think he was Welsh, a uh, Welsh rugby player who was sort of level four. I'm not quite sure what that level, what that would be the equivalent of in in Wales, but you're talking sort of I think sort of semi-professional. And um, he'd admitted that he bought a supplement off his friend who had a supplement company, and even on the food packaging it contained a banned substance, and the guy had no idea. The guy who bought it off had no idea. He was like, "Yeah, people buy it. It seems really popular." It was a, I think it was a pre-workout, um, and it just had all the, uh, I don't know what the banned substance was now, but something in there. And again, it sort of didn't realise, and it, he didn't realise it's not an excuse. So he was banned from for two years. Yeah, definitely worth considering. So, like you said, if you listen to this and you know you're playing a sport and you're interested to know what goes into some of these supplements and things, then at least. There are companies that are kind of signed up to that website. There's full disclosure in there, isn't there? And there's lots of information and stuff. So that's quite a nice little resource. Um, and yeah, I love that cookbook thing that you said there. It's fantastic. Um, I contributed to a couple over the, over over the years. One for like a running festival, and one for like a it was yeah it was like a key key workers like NHS kind of cookbook. One of my friends was um, she'd been on the show actually, a lady called Grace. Um, and that was just such a fun thing to do because you can you know you chuck yours in and you see what everyone else has done and. You know, we're, we're all just home cooks and people that love food, so it's uh, and you take photos of it yourself, so it's just quite a nice thing to put together, isn't it? Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, well, it's been it's been sort of really, it's just something a little bit different to do, and it's I've just found it a little bit more, a little bit more, you get a little bit more engagement from it because there isn't necessarily that pressure of oh well I can't cook or it's not going to look very good and stuff, so it doesn't matter. It's just you're just trying to share ideas rather than sort of all for the ground and hundred hmm. um, percent um, and if we pivot a little bit and because um, I know obviously uh, you, you know you've got one one kind of big foot in the performance nutrition space but you've you've got I suppose yeah not just a toe probably quite a few you know quite a few toes in, in the in private healthcare space as well and, and working in um, yeah this this uh, kind of uh, national diabetes prevention program um, actually it's, it's not private healthcare is it it's, is via the NHS this, or, or is it you know one of the one of the companies that you work for? I suppose it gets gets a little bit squirrely, but it, you know you end up working with people ultimately that um, are, yeah looking to just improve their metabolic health really aren't they? They're not they're not the fitter, faster, stronger kind of looking to smash records. They just wanna they just wanna live longer. They wanna feel better. They wanna be around for their families. They wanna get healthier, don't they? So how how are you finding that side of things? It's it's. I saw the opportunity, so I've been delivering sort of the diabetes prevention program for about just over two years now, and it was just something I saw, and it was just sort of, you're still using nutrition, but you're just applying it in, slight, in a slightly different way to these individuals that, again, I'm not sure if you've experienced this as well, when they get sort of referred to us, they have no, they have no idea that they were, they were in this sort of pre-diabetic stage, this pre-diabetic category. Mm. So it's all it's sort of all based on they may have gone for a blood test um, as part of a checkup or something else, and then the doctors sort of check their bloods and their blood sugar levels come back sort of not high enough to be classed as type two diabetic, but slightly higher than slightly higher than normal, slightly higher than it should be. So as a result, they're then referred to us, and they they go through these sort of very I know our program is sort of slightly different to yourself, but it's these sort of education based workshops that gets them just understanding a little bit more around sort of different aspects of their lifestyle. So things like the, the impact of their diet, things like physical activity, as well as some other factors, things like stress and sleep. And again, I think 
No, every every individual that comes on the program is very unique. Everyone has a different routine, a different background. So it's getting them or it's educating them in a way that they can. They start. It starts to raise their awareness so that they go, "Oh, that's something I do. That's not so good for me. I need to do this instead." So again, it's just teaching them even things like how to how to understand how to read food labels, for example. So again, I think that's quite a an area that can be quite confusing for, for some people. Um, again, I think there is, uh, I'm sure you'd agree to this as well, there is a lot of misinformation out there, particularly around sort of nutrition. And again, maybe they pick up some some bad habits from, from friends, from um, other sources of information. And it's just maybe trying to, trying to re-educate them and just giving them ideas. So again, for things like getting them to have a go at doing things like meal planning, for example, again, some people, they come in after a late day, a long day at work. The last thing they're going to want to do is cook a, a fresh meal, something that's going to take ages to do. So that's when they sort of go, oh, you know what, I'm going to pick up a, a takeaway, I'm going to pick up a sort of convenience meal. So this way we can sort of educate them around maybe having a few sort of backups in place or maybe preparing a little bit extra the night before with your dinner then. So you've got something sort of fresh that you can have when you come in. So again, it's just these little changes that, that they can make little changes that they can make add up to have a really big beneficial impact um, again I've had uh, again we were obviously talking beforehand we've all had so we both had sort of a complete variation a complete sort of spectrum of individuals that get referred to us I've had people that are even students that are sort of 20 21 and they have that typical student living of for, I mean, I had one individual who was having about four takeaways a week, um, a whole range, and as well as spending huge amounts of money on that, he he made a massive. Uh, his weight did substantially increase. So all he did in terms of making those changes was just reduce it. So instead of having sort of four takeaways a week, he was having maybe one or two a month, something like that. And he lost about four and a half stone, and his. Um, his HbA1c was 46 when he when he joined the program, so borderline sort of type two diabetic. And by making making some of those changes again, combined with sort of physical activity, I think when he finished the program, it was down at about 38, something like that. So wow. it's in some of the changes that people can can make and the difference that it has. I think again, some of the some individuals, it's a case of they need to make changes across all the different aspects. But some it's things like stress, it's things like poor sleep, mm. and actually, in a in a way, I know everyone's been affected by COVID over the past year. But there is a, in terms of, a, I suppose, a, maybe a silver lining is actually people have got more by being at home. People have more time for themselves and not having to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to get on the train for two hours to travel, or sort of two hours each way. Um, they've got time to be more active. Again, some individuals that are desk-based, office-based all day, doing very little sort of physical activity. Again, um, it's just getting them to, to start to think about what they can do to increase their physical activity. And again, it doesn't have to be, some some always associate, I've got to join a gym, go to a gym, but definitely not the case. The sort of, for me, the best form of exercise is the one that you enjoy doing. If you enjoy doing it, you're more likely to continue to do it on a sort of regular basis. Um, Obviously, people have got into sort of things like walking over the past year. Again, like as you were saying before, getting into running, and I can't remember what the stat was, but I think they said there's been a 
huge download of things like the Couch to 5K app. And um, when they return, people were obviously getting more into sort of things like Park Runs, loads of some of the other apps as well, things like Map My Run. I think Strava had huge additional downloads as well. So it'll be interesting to see how our lifestyles change sort of going 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 forward over the next sort of few months or so as we come out of sort of lockdown come out or come past covid definitely definitely yeah it's made such an interesting insight into your work in that program and i think i'm hearing like you said awareness so not necessarily ramming it down people's throats like right this is the way low carb or this is the way you've got to prep your food or this is the way you've got to hit 10,000 steps. It's more like dangling these tools and tactics in front of people, making them aware of it. And then like you said, sitting back and then that chat with the takeaways, he was thinking, right, you know, probably high fat, ultra processed food, probably late in the evening, maybe first thing in the morning, etc. Where's the frequency at? Wow, that's quite high. You know, I might bring that down. Um, and I think that, you know, that's just, they're fantastic steps. They're fantastic steps, um, and it is. I find the interesting is that there's a bit of a lag. I find maybe a month or two when these people come for our first call. They might have had their their test a month or two before, and one of my questions is like, what have you been doing since you saw the doctor? Because obviously they get labelled as this like pre-diabetic, and it just dehumanises them, and they're kind of walking around. It's like their new identity. So I'm like, what have you actually been doing? Um, and some of the changes that people have made even before our call, um, it just it, it just astounds me. Their their mindsets and the way they shift. Um, there was a chap that um, I'll check in with him next week, but we just first met the other day. He's early sixties, and the guy just out of I don't know, I think it was just what he was doing. Um, he enjoyed it after work, having a few beers, and I think due to lockdown you know, had a few more, and then the guy was up at six, seven, eight cans a night, every night, you know, working, um, and then he said, yeah, literally got the blood sugar test the month before, you know, grandchildren running around, and he was like, I can't live like this, so he's literally wiped that out, I think he has maybe a, a drinking session once a week now, um, and I was just like, how did you do that, how did you do that, like, you've stripped away six days, you're leaner, you know, he's got water in his van because we were doing a call, the video calls in his van, he was like drinking away. Um, and I think just these knock on effects of like all these little healthy habits slowly increasing. And I just couldn't believe the, the willpower of the bloke to just turn it around literally overnight. And some of these stories are amazing. You think, God, these people are, you know, they're pretty tough. They're pretty tough mentally when they want to be. Uh, they've just had that maybe kick from uh, I don't know, a healthcare provider to be like, look, you need to watch this. And then they just start doing it. You know, the incredible people that you end up working with. Oh, I think it does. In my sort of the first, so our sessions are predominantly sort of group-based. And mm. the sort of first, again, with COVID, we've, we were doing sort of face-to-face sessions. However, we've moved to sort of remote. And the first session I always like to say to individuals, how many of you did this come as a sort of shock, a surprise when the dog to contacted you? And they all put their hand up, and they're they're so they're so desperate. Is maybe a little bit over the top, but they're so it does come as a shock. And they again, some quite often people say they've got friends, family members that are type two diabetic. They've seen what they've gone through. Mm. Some have unfortunately, well, as you know, all sorts of complications arise from type two diabetes. Some they say I've lost a I've lost my aunt to type two diabetes. So it is 
like I say, a big wake-up call for them. And then they're so so focused on making those changes. And again, it's just getting them to understand about how to make those changes, but also how to sustain them in the long term as well. So some some individuals, they come on, they want to make all these changes all in one go. However, it doesn't work like that. Creating all these sort of unrealistic expectations for yourself, all that's going to happen is, again, you might do it for a few days, but when you don't achieve what you set out to do, you lose all that motivation, that sort of drive and determination start to go back to those old habits. So again, we, we try and do sort of some goal setting at the end of each session, just gives them something to focus on, work towards. Mm. So you're sort of trying to break those those long-term goals that may have set at the beginning of the program into these sort of, I suppose, smaller stepping stones to help them um, to help remove that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like, from one side, obviously, we're bringing these tools and tactics and being like, right, we can increase the capability side of things. They're probably already doing, or sorry, you know, they, they have they have the capability to, to do a lot of things, but then obviously we're there to help facilitate it. And then not not in like a kind of like pushy way, but I'm like, right, you've got an opportunity here. What you know, whatever we can do with with the how we can help with, you know, to an extent. Obviously, we don't know everything. Um, we don't have the time to like you said write complete prescriptive like lifestyle plans of nutrition and exercise. Everything we slide over to them. But if you can get them at that point where the capabilities there, the opportunities there, you know, their their motivation is quite high. Like you said, it's then setting these little goals because you can see they want to get. 20 kilos lighter and come down six points on their HbA1c score but that you know that feels intimidating so you're then like right okay what are we doing on a weekly basis um, and I just find even hydration with people because so many things are so hard to get their head around to be like could I actually do that and then my first one might be like right extra liter a day let's go and and you know they they, they listen to why that's important and then they think actually you know I can do that whereas others you know they will go headlong into it uh, and start, you know, planning meals and, 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 and you know, start adding in um, structured exercise, start upping their physical activity levels and, you know, everything's going swimmingly and, you know, they might remeasure in three months and they're there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just such, it's such an interesting space when you onboard people and you're starting to look forward to how to improve their metabolic health. A lot of them obviously have aesthetic goals too, like pretty much all of us would love to look better naked, but they do know that nutrition and exercise will play a part in helping their metabolic health as well so i quite like that that kind of pyramid like yes we know weight loss is a is a really really important variable but it doesn't have to happen to to improve your blood sugar and that also takes a bit of a weight off them they're like oh okay i can still do other things um, and the weight loss will come later you know so it's uh yeah it's, it's, it's a really interesting place to be yeah you just Again, there's sort of so many, I mean, it's things like, particularly now, as things are starting to reopen, the restaurants, and it's getting them to understand, sort of, again, I try and take the approach of there's no food, there's no drink that we can't have, it comes back to this point of everything in moderation, and bearing it, just being aware of a few, sort of, tips and tricks, if you like, just when you're eating out, for example, again, can have a, can have a big difference, can make a big difference to, sort of, what you're consuming again going back to your point about alcohol i think a lot of individuals don't realize they think oh it's sort of liquid liquid it's a liquid drink it doesn't it doesn't count towards my calories it doesn't really have any impact on me but like i say i've had similar to yourself individuals where they may be consuming three four pints not every night but on a regular basis and it, it obviously depending on the alcoholic strength if you're looking at what 180 200 calories per pint mm. 
on the side and they're having close to 800 a thousand calories uh, that they've consumed without taking into account anything else they've had to eat and drink that day taking into account how active they've been as well and again it's just making sort of those slight changes to help them and when they start to see that improvement you just get they get a little bit more it, it just helps maintain that sort of focus that motivation um yeah maintain that sort of motivation as well and it's i think some people they try and benchmark or compare themselves to others but again we're all unique we're all different some people go out and they'll do the sort of 10,000 things like physical activity doing the 10,000 steps every day for some people that's really easy to do you can do that in quite a short period of time for some that's just not that's not doable so but again if you can get them to increase their step count by even 500 steps a day some for maybe even less for some depending on again any sort of long-term health conditions any injuries Mm. it's a step in the right it's a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. yeah agreed um, and again, even things like some of those other things, uh, some of the, the other aspects, again, I, I don't think individuals realise just how big an impact poor sleep has on our health, on our, well, a number of aspects of our health in the same way that, same thing with stress. Again, people, quite often people can be under huge amounts of stress without, without realising it. So again, just making them aware. Stress, stress and sleep are a little bit different, so you can't necessarily set those goals to say, right, I'm going to sleep for eight hours solid tonight. But if you show them, we try and share some stress management techniques, some techniques to help improve their sleep. So, so even things just trying to have a routine before bed, if they've got an active mind, having a sort of notepad, a diary by the side of their bed so they can make a note of their to-do list, for example. They've still got to do it, they're still going to have it the next day, but if they've got it written down, it's one less thing off their mind, and they've got it there for when they wake up the next day. And again, there's lots of other techniques that we share, things like the stress, doing things like breathing exercises, uh, so simple, but so effective as well. So again, sort of diabetes cost the NHS, what, 10, I think I saw a report that said it was sort of around, or if not more than sort of 10 billion pounds a year. So if programs like what we're doing can help support that, reduce the, the financial and physical burden on the NHS, surely it is a, it is a really positive thing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed, mate, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, it really is dipping into each of those pillars and seeing what you can do straight off the bat and then can you be consistent with it over time sleep uh, stress management hydration nutrition physical activity exercise that's uh, brilliant um mate so look uh, it's god we're coming up to almost you know oh, well over well close to 50 minutes of chatting it's just absolutely oh, flown by really you know. yeah no mate, i appreciate it and it's good because i wanted to chat we've got a lot in common in terms of the performance nutrition background i know you you tend to obviously see um you know a few more clubs and things like that than me but it's just nice to have a you have a conversation with a practitioner who's got a finger on the button and then the the, the kind of healthcare side of things too and the, and, and the diabetes prevention I think we could talk about all day because again we're, we're extremely passionate about it and then yeah hopefully people have kind of gleaned something from this and uh, if people do want to keep in touch with you mate uh, what you know what's what's the what's the best way uh, to do it and and also yeah if there's anything coming up if there's anything else you think the listeners the listeners the listeners should uh, know about then um, just just let us know now um, sure, yeah, just cracking on as, as things start to re start to reopen, just trying to support any athletes or as many people in as many ways as I sort of can. Um, 
so I'm on sort of social media, just James Fleming Nutrition on sort of Instagram and Facebook, and then sort of uh, uh, again, feel free to sort of message me on there. E- my email is just jflemingnutrition at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so again, uh, whether that be my, I suppose, yeah, I work a lot with sort of doing workshops for clubs, doing sort of in depth sessions, but then I also work sort of one to one with athletes. So, um, yeah, I try and help as many. What I try to help where I possibly can. Perfect. So, mate, whereabouts are you based again? Because obviously, if things are opening up, people can, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not sure if you are doing face to faces and things like this, but it just allows listeners to know kind of like you know where where you are and, and you know where you're based and things. Yeah, sure. So I'm sort of I'm sort of pretty much bang on the edge of sort of London and Essex border, so um, sort of cover all around there and um, yeah, all basically based around there. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, cool. Well, look, mate, thanks for your time. Um, lovely people. I'll put all of um, James' social handles in there um, on the show notes and things like that. And um, thanks so much for listening. It's been a couple of weeks um, in the making to get another episode out to you guys. But I think, yeah, this one's been absolutely brilliant. So thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for your ears. And, um, yeah, keep in touch with James as well. He posts some fantastic content. And, um, yeah, he's really easy to chat to on Instagram and things. Like I always say... If you're following someone, like reach out to them and speak to them. Um, it is it is the way to go. So um, yeah, stay safe and uh, we'll speak to you soon, lovely people. Bye.